Guess what, bitch? <laughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus! Shit is real! Shit is getting real! Shit is real! Hello and welcome to um, a podcast, the name of which I have not really decided. I'm kind of just calling this the Darby Cast as a placeholder until I figure out um, a better title. But anyway, my name is Darby Worley. I'm here to talk about life in the time of Corona, which is a joke that a million people have made um, so far. I'm not feeling super creative or funny at the moment, but what am I doing? Why am I doing this show? This I just feel. Um, compelled to record what we're all going through and I don't know if anybody's ever going to listen to this or if it's just for me but I want to chat with you all my network my friends my family colleagues about how we are getting through this really scary time so I'm going to talk about my coronavirus experience I mean I didn't have it maybe I had it I actually thought maybe that I had it but I haven't been tested More on that later when I get into the interview with my guest this week, this day. I don't even know how often this show's going to come out. Um, Liz Winstead. We do talk a little bit about um, when I was sick after my husband spent some time in Hong Kong. Um, But before we get there, today is March 24th. It's 2.22 in the afternoon in London time. And today is our first day on the more um, uh, extreme lockdown uh, in the in the city, all non-essential businesses are closed. There's no more takeaways from restaurants. Restaurants are still able to deliver. We just got um, delivery from one of our favorite neighborhood places, the Banana Tree, and they dropped the meal off outside. We not never got any, you know, within uh, six feet of each other, and yeah, it was fine. Um, that delivery was actually just really normal. So people who are freaking out about food delivery or food supplies, I think we're good. I think everything is going to be okay there. Um, outdoor gyms are closed, but the parks are still open. We're uh, basically our guidelines are that we're allowed to leave our house one time a day for some type of physical exercise, a run, cycle, uh, a walk. Um, we're meant to stay uh, at least six feet away from each other. And, um, you're allowed to go to work if you're a medical pro or providing, um, some other type of essential service, i.e. working in a grocery store or a pharmacy. Um, you're allowed to leave your home if you're helping to care for a vulnerable person who can't leave their apartment. So those are kind of the rules. I went out for, um, I have a, <laughs> I've rented a, a big kettlebell from the gym where I train Milo and the Bull. So I have this, um, you know, 12 kg kettlebell that I schlepped over to the park this morning and put myself through a workout with my dear friend, Christy Molinaro from 306090 Fitness. You can stream her workouts at 306090fitness.com. And as I looked around, there was, everybody was really pretty much, you know, um, obeying the rules. There weren't a lot of people out and I went out at about 10 AM. It wasn't like it was super early in the morning or anything. Um, and people were kind of staying out of each other's way there. I saw two assholes working out on the playground, not, not playground, the, um, the outdoor gym equipment, which first of all, I don't even, it's not effective. These things, <laughs> these are those, those like, um, I don't know, old school elliptical things where you kind of like, move your arms back and forth on these, I don't know what you call them, like arms, levers. Um, those things out, those, that equipment looks really silly to me anyway. I don't even think it's effective, but they were touching it and they had bare hands and it looked like one of them was training the other and they were definitely within six feet of each other. So I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt since it was, this was just announced last night. 
But I don't know. I got mad when I saw that because my fear is that if we don't abide by these rules, we're going to lose access to the parks and then it's going to be even harder. So London and everywhere else that's under these lockdowns, obey the rules so that we can have as much freedom and access to normalcy as possible as we go through this. For my American friends, let me just kind of fill you in on what it's like to uh, be living over here with um, the evil socialized medicine that many of you, many of my dear friends and family are really scared of. I just want to say that so far, it's been pretty great. Um, the NHS has had testing facilities available since the very beginning of the problem here. Now, I don't think that you know, I don't think that our government kept up with the NHS in terms of preparedness or guidelines or rules. Um, our lockdown has come too late, I think. But the NHS has been there and they've been really sensible about how um, to test people and treat people. So, so far, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And, and, and also, we're able to access supplies. Like you can still get face masks and hand sanitizer, medicine, uh, painkillers, all the things that I've seen a lot of my American friends bemoaning about being um, unable to access and they seem to be still available over here my chemist has a sign outside that says face masks face masks and sanitizer sanitizer so I think those things are still available here and I'm not sure if that's just a function of the Brits being more polite and more willing to share or if it's a function of some type of government limits or what I don't know but so far my experience under the NHS has been pretty positive so don't be so scared. We have a we have kind of a mixed system over here in that you the private insurance is still available for people who want it and who can't afford it. So those of you who might be worried about having to wait for any any type of treatment or a surgery, et cetera, et cetera, if you can afford private insurance, you can still get it and you can still jump the line. Um, but everybody here is covered, and that's important now more than ever. Of course, we're still very early in this, so it remains to be seen how well the system will hold up if we have an explosion of cases. Um, but I, I'm feeling I'm feeling fairly hopeful. Um, okay, so first guest on this here show, is, um, I promised you that it was going to be Roz and Craig Williams, and I did do an interview with them yesterday. But due to some technical difficulties, that that interview is unusable, and it's a bummer because we were super funny guys. We were having a good time, and it was really. Um, Nice to get the band back together, but we're going to do that interview. We're going to, I'm going to wait a few days or maybe a week and interview them again and just see how things have changed. Things are changing so fast. So who knows what next week will bring. But in the meantime, here's my dear friend, mentor, um, superhero activist, all out wonderful woman, um, Liz Winstead. Oh, you know her as the co-creator of The Daily Show, among some other stuff that we're going to talk about. Joining me today is my dear friend Liz Winstead, founder of Abortion Access Front, Abortion Access Force, formerly known as Lady Parts Justice. Welcome, Liz. Hi, Darby. How are you? You know, I'm um, I'm doing as well as I guess maybe anyone is. It's I live in New York City, in Brooklyn. So, um, challenges lying there, challenges lying, having, um, family members far away who are very vulnerable and not being able yeah. to access them. And then also challenges around, I mean, I, I run a, a nonprofit, right. And a nonprofit in a space that is, um, uh, increasingly, uh, just, it, it's an abortion rights nonprofit and we help. Uh, providers of abortion and people access abortion. And 
in in a world where um, it's we have created laws in the United States that have been so profoundly hard on access to abortion that um, anti-abortion extremists are using this opportunity to instill laws uh, in their states to to shut down clinics. And so trying to work on that is really stressful. And also just, you know, living in a city that has been the hub of culture in America and watching it deteriorate because of corporate greed and because of just garbage anyway, uh, to wonder if the last bastions of this just, you know, independent uh, stores, independent restaurants, um, if this is gonna kill what New York City is and the fabric of it really scares me too. There's a lot of a lot happening. <laughs> and I still haven't taken yeah. my Christmas tree yeah. down. So <laughs> I think you should just leave it up all year round. I'm fine with that. I might. Hey guys, it's Darby. So you are going to hear me jumping in periodically to um, ask my questions of Liz because part of what's happening over here in the Whirly Lynch household is that our internet bandwidth is not enough for me to do Zoom meetings while my husband does Zoom meetings at the same time. We're trying desperately to get some more bandwidth here, but we can't even get through to anybody because um, I don't I don't know that it counts as an essential service, but we're having a really hard time getting that done. If anybody has any clue for me in London about who might be able to come f fix our internet, Vodafone does not provide big enough bandwidth, and I can't get a hold of anybody at Virgin. Anyway, back to Liz. I asked her about this case out of Ohio where the governor um, deemed abortion clinics non-essential and therefore ordered them closed. I asked her what was going on there there was legal intervention and the clinics are staying open and they're complying with the guidelines that they put towards um, any clinic. But it was an end run to see if during this pandemic, um, the state of Ohio, which is one of the states that has um, a governor and a legislature and an attorney general hostile to abortion access, um, tried to do an end run saying that abortion services are non-essential medical services. and it's pretty hard to tell anybody who has had an abortion or needs an abortion that their abortion was not essential. And that um, when you have a window of time, it's pretty scary. You know, people forget a lot of times that when we are talking about what it means to be self-quarantined for many people, especially the forgotten, people are in abusive relationships and can't leave. You know, what does that mean for them when they are in homes where they, they aren't safe? And that sometimes, you know, having sex with someone is a way to keep them from not hitting you. You know, these really dark places that we need to not necessarily go, but for sure necessarily recognize are part of a human condition that is much larger than creepy ideology um, trying to shut stuff down for people. So with Ohio, they're open for now. I will be posting a graphic from one of the, one of the largest providers in Cleveland, independent clinic saying, we're staying open, we're complying, please come. Something good to share so that folks know. Overall, how's your emotional state? Like, like tell me, Tom, can tell me how the past few days have been for you? I feel, for me, I'm going, I have, I'm having highs and lows. You know, not highs, I'm not having any highs, but I'm having baseline and low. How about you? I'm having baseline and low um, also. I was in a situation where um, around March 4th, I was in four different airports in the course of two days. I went and did a 
conference in Orange County, California, uh, where I had contact with folks. And then I drove to LA and self-quarantined kind of in LA um, for five days. And then I had to get home because I didn't know when I would get home. So I flew home on the 12th to New York and I've been inside ever since. Um, you know, for me, the thing I just, the thing that I find in just trying to control my own self, and this isn't new information, but it's just what I'm experiencing, is the fact that I'm 58. Um, the symptoms of menopause, heart attack, anxiety, and corona in a woman my age are all the same, right? So when I wake up um, with um, like, hot flashes or sweat jags or, or fever, um, shortness of breath, um, diarrhea, um, you know, when those things pass and come and go, um, I have to take a Xanax to see what, what's mitigated from that and how I'm feeling, you know? So it's the self-monitoring mm -hmm. constantly of things that can be Corona, uh, or life-threatening or menopause. So that, and then that just adds to the anxiety of the anxiety. So I'm kind of in that mode, you know? So I'm just like trying to just check in with people constantly and take a half a Xanax when I need to. But I do feel like, I don't know if anybody's going to these D nice dance parties, but I went to both of them on Instagram. I'm not sure he's doing one today. If he is, he has more stamina than uh, anybody I've ever seen. They're like, they're lasting like nine hours. He's just on the mic playing and playing like all kinds of music, but like super fun, Sly and the Family Stone and Patrice Russian to Jay-Z to uh, just Prince, like, and you're just in your apartment dancing. And now I'm just going to, somebody made it a Spotify list that I'm just going to keep on my phone to take solitary walks and just be like walking with a little groove in my step. So that is incredibly helpful. You know, checking in with your own physicality is super helpful. I was struggling of just moving. You know, I was like on the couch and just like, I felt stuck. And then yesterday I was just like, I can't be stuck. I got to stop being stuck. So things like that I find helpful. Yeah, I agree. I've been taking walks in the park and I just this morning went over to one of the gyms where I train that's uh, that are obviously have been shut down. They're renting out some of their equipment to us members. So I went and picked up a 12 kg um, kettlebell, uh, which I have named Kamala. <laughs> and, uh, we are going to be <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, so I feel like we're going to be getting to be very good friends. It was a, it was a bitch getting that thing home. I had to put it in my backpack. I mean, 20, 12 kgs is like 25 pounds or some shit. <laughs> so, so it was hard to bring that up the hill, but I had a little workout in the park and over here so far, at least, um, um, Clapham Common, our park, people are being really good about staying six feet away from each other. I am, I am, you know, Boris keeps talking about that he's going to have to shut the parks down because people aren't behaving but at least they are they are down here and i'm just i'm just so god i hope they don't have to close the parks that that's that's just gonna be uh, just another step into depression. yeah also vitamin d man you gotta have vitamin d like you have to get that into your mm -hmm. system if you can even just be and stand outside for a half an hour just to take in some sun that is uh, yeah. a crucial thing yeah i think the sunshine is an automatic mood boost um, yeah 
the, the most normal of days, but especially now. It's yeah. huge. It's it huge. is huge. And I've also taken to, um, you know, we're all Zooming with our families yep. and having group conversations with our families. Um, I've been doing a bunch of Facebook Lives that are sort of away from my political side and just sort of entering into my humanity side. Like I was, um, I started cleaning my apartment and I found this massive box of cassette tapes. And I did a little Facebook Live on Saturday, kind of just going through. I did a, a hand grab. I didn't know what I was pulling out and just having conversations about some of that music. Um, and then realizing I need to get a cassette player because I have some like live performance stuff of like Elvis Costello from 1977 in, in um, New York. And I was like, oh my God, I have demo tapes of this Soul Asylum record. Like, what am I doing? Who gave me these things? really fun to have people interacting with their concert memories or their own memories. So I'll do that a couple, you know, I'm going to try to do that every Saturday at three, encouraging people to like pull out a couple of their own favorite cassettes and have a conversation. You know, I think that um, nostalgia can be an incredibly healing thing, you know, going back to those times when it was fun and, and music is certainly something that can tap into your mood, help you create a good one. Um, help you remember the people who you were around during that era of music, you know, things like that, I think are like really important. And here I jumped in and told Liz about how I had um, recorded a home workout for you guys. It's a bodyweight workout. And I chose music from 2015 purposefully because that's like the last time I can remember being like consistently happy. Yeah. You know, I just, I mean, I went way the fuck back. Like the stuff that I, I have made genius playlists for mostly old funk. Simpler times, man. Simpler times. <laughs> so the next thing I wanted to know was how Liz was experiencing working from home. She's a creative person, used to being in a writer's room, used to being out shooting videos and making art with her colleagues. So I wondered what that felt like for her. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I had training when I wrote my book of solitude mm -hmm. and working by myself. And so as much of an extrovert as I am, um, I'm very good at nurturing that and learning how to do that. Um, communicating like this, you know, the Facebook lives are helpful, really connecting with um, mm -hmm. different people um, in my social circle and my family. Um, also, I'm lucky enough to, uh, work we're working via zoom although that that's getting a little bit um overwhelming to just have so much screen time um mm -hmm. because everything is screen time now how we communicate socialize work so we've decided to um just take up make it a four-day work week while we're not while we're in this because you know people have been talking a lot about i'm going to take this time and and hyper organize and hyper work and I think that it's really a time that maybe you should take for self-reflection, figure out what it is that really matters to you, figure out then how you can reprioritize your time and your passions to a way that is um, going to be self-fulfilling to you so that in turn, it'll help you be a stronger person if you need to help others, if you want to participate. Um, learning your own boundaries uh, is going to make you a better person, a better friend, a better lover, a better citizen. So I think take this time to really figure out what that is. 
What might make this even um, harder on Liz than it, it might be on you or me is that she also just not too long ago lost her pet dog, Buddy. It was a really good dog. Um, so she was getting used to kind of coming home to an empty apartment, and now she's in that empty apartment all day. I wondered what that was like. That has been really interesting. I lost my pet um, in late January, and it's a pet that I had had, a dog that I've had for... Um, the dog was 17. I adopted him at age three. So he's, he was, he was through me in my last isolation when I was writing, right? I had two dogs back then. Mm -hmm. So having a silence in my home has been um, really sad. And also not having that catalyst to get myself out has also been a challenge. So, um, you know, I'm thinking of possibly fostering a dog while I'm, um, while these times are like this, where I won't be traveling, mm -hmm. um, because I, the second that this comes to be, whenever that is, um, I will be out on the road again. Yeah, I know you usually are, are more of a big dog person, or bigger than tiny dogs, but Waggy Tail is looking for fosters right now. Who the is that tiny dog? One? The dog that had all the poor, the poor dog, it was like old, and like maybe only had one leg yeah. and couldn't see. Yeah, she had she had a deformed. Well, I, I had one dog that had one eye. That dog is still alive and and, and placed in a very happy home. The one you're thinking of is Pixie, Pixie, and she was like a pound and a half, only a pound and a half. And I've been thinking about her a lot this week because she's in my Facebook memories. It was like it was like oh. eleven years ago that I got her. She was actually a puppy. She was only about a year and a half, but a year and a half old and uh, one and a half pounds. And I don't know what happened to that dog. She was still in foster when, I can't remember why I had to give her up, but there was, I think I was taking a trip or something. I had to hand her off to an another foster and I just lost track of her. So I don't know whatever happened. We were trying to raise money so that she could get that deformed leg amputated. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause she would just piss and shit all over it. It was in the way. It was like right, right below her badge. <laughs> Way that it, um, the way that it was bent, you know, so there was just no way to, to pee without uh, getting messy. Oh, God, that is impossible. so sad. <laughs> it, was, it was so sad. It was, and it, was, it was making it almost impossible to housebreak her because, you know, if, if a dog can't keep clean, it's hard to teach them not to, you know, mess themselves. But yeah, but she was, but, she, but I love that dog. And that dog taught me something about life because she, it was like, she didn't know how fucked up she was. She still had zest for life. She still, you know, was like any other dog. When I would come home, she still was wiggling her butt around. And um, yeah, I just felt like she taught me how to, um, how to ignore the physical imperfections that I, you know, hate about myself. If that dog could be happy looking like that, pissing on herself right. all the time. <laughs> what has been your biggest struggle, Darby, being so far away from your family and everything? <sighs> oh, that's it. That's it. I, my mind has been going to a, some very dark places and it will make me cry. Um, just because I you know my parents are old. They are, thank God, finally listening to the advice and, and isolating themselves. But I also have a brother who's, who's super prone to pneumonia. You know, I have a brother who has um, a form of muscular dystrophy. It's, uh, it's a neuromuscular disorder. And he has no strength, so he can't really cough. And he's had pneumonia, I don't know, three or four times. Um, so he's super prone to it as well. Now, thank God he has a job that he works from home. But for me, it's like when, when that edict came down the other night, a couple of nights ago, when they said Americans 
American citizens had best get home soon or you might be locked out of the country for a long time. That, like, I didn't cry. It was, it was just like I was in shock. I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach. I couldn't breathe, you know, because I just felt like, God, what do I do? I can't, um, Kelvin can't really go to the States right now. He's still, he's, he has to, you know, maintain his job and everything. He, and it doesn't really work time zone wise for him to be, to say for us to go to the cabin or someplace and wait this thing out. So yeah, so my mind goes to these places of like, I'm never going to see my parents again. They're going to get it and I'm never going to be able to see them. I mean, just, it's, it's not, it's not great. <laughs> like when I say I'm, I'm vacillating between baseline and low, like mm. the lows are really bad. I think I, t- I, I, I liked it with you last night saying that I was watching your video and I was sobbing and it's, it's to the point, like so many videos make me cry that I can't even remember what you were talking about. <laughs> you know, like maybe you were talking about Ohio. I don't know. Um, but it's like, ah, I just, I'm really, I'm really struggling with it. And that's part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast partially just to, you know, to, t- to check in with all my friends, but also to, um, to process some of, of what I'm feeling and to have a record of it. I want to, I just want to have a record of this time for like, you know, my 10 year old niece when we hopefully come through all this um, eventually, yeah. but man, I think it's going to be a long time. What do you think? I do think it's going to be a long time. And I think it's because we don't have a federal government that's going to just lock shit down for a month, you know, or for two months, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we, we have, the, the lack of competence and, you know, the politicization of the CDC and like everything that is happening and the silencing of true medical people and the um, morons who are, you know, not doing their social spacing and not staying home. And uh, it is utterly shocking. You know, I'm proud of our governor who I'm normally, I'm not in love with, but, um, you know, yeah. he should be uh listen to because in pot you know we have populations that are giant and you know walking places and walking cities and um you know and i and i i worry about that i also just worry that um you know in a larger meta is you know ever since trump became a reality to become president in 2016 and that seemed real we have seen this erosion of a basic set of moral imperatives, you know, truths that were self-evident, if you will, um, are no longer, you know, we, you can't talk to people who are, who can agree on a same set of just like humane values. And I, and if we don't have a terra firma of a set of values that we, we all define as what humanity looks like, I don't know how we, I don't know how we solve this swiftly or concisely. Um, and that, and that part is what I keep going back to, which is super negative. I know, but I don't know what to do. So I'm just trying to stay well and healthy and give myself a good two weeks, maybe three weeks of self isolation. Um, and then my next step will be doing one-on-ones with trusted friends who I know have been isolating in the same way I have. Yeah, I want that antibody test to get done because I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but I think there's a a better than even chance that Kelvin and I had this thing because Kelvin was in Hong Kong when they were on lockdown and he came home and about a week later got sick. 
um, really bad cough, like deep lung ache, terrible fatigue, never had a fever. Um, and then I got it about a week later, same thing. I was down, I slept for, I don't know, five days or something, lost my voice, very terrible cough. I still kind of have, my voice is still not quite back to normal. Um, but we never had a fever. And at, the, at that time, this was, this was like late February, I think. Um, but now you're, you're seeing people test positive with, you know, without a fever, without any symptoms, with all kinds of symptoms. And now the NHS um, website, now this is going to, you'll be amazed to hear this over here we have this this thing on the nhs where you can actually plug in your symptoms and you will get a call back immediately if you need to be tested and we've had that since i don't oh, know oh fuck socialism socialism um, terrible <laughs> i know and we've also had drive-through testing like set up for going back as long as when we got sick which was the very beginning of this thing so the long way of saying that that I plugged our symptoms into that website and it said yes you should get tested now this is now we're now we're well so I haven't tried to get a test but I want that antibody test to see if I have had it you know and if you have had it yeah then um just think of how your life could be different yeah I mean Jill Miller made the point that if that would be the be very best thing that we could do for the economy is to get the antibody test so that everybody who's had it and has antibodies can get back to work. Can get back to work. That's right. Yeah, I know. Yes. Joe Miller's up there for sure. I, I'm 100% sure that Joe Miller does not have the coronavirus. <laughs> she does not have the coronavirus. She does not have the um, coronavirus. Sidebar, Joe Miller is our super smart friend who's been predicting the pandemic for as long as I've known her, which is over a decade now. Yeah, so God love yeah. that woman. Um, oh my god yeah. i know we're it's gonna, gonna be fine to... she knew this was coming we should we should have listened to her five years ago she's been predicting this as long as i've known her and she's up there with that that garden and she's like totally self-sufficient she's picking up some more bees today i think yeah she's uh, just she's living her life it's interesting because um i've been really concerned about my um just sort of my local businesses that i frequent that really are the mm. fabric of my neighborhood so i've kind of been posting like go shop here and go do that and uh, my local liquor store, shout out to Free Range Wines in Brooklyn. Um, they, the liquor stores are, I love New York because liquor stores are essential. Um, and <laughs> he has, business for him is great. And so he's been um, telling folks to, um, you know, buy your, to go to different businesses and shop at different Aww. places and donate to a lot of the restaurants have funds for their employees. And to do that, he sent out a big email that I got um, being like, thank you all, but don't buy a gift certificate here. Uh, if, the, if you're doing that to be kind to me, just buy your booze as normal, come in and visit me, but buy your gift certificates at this restaurant and this place and um, doing that. So yeah, there so. are some, you know, there are some good things coming out of this as well. There's, I, I keep saying that there's some heartwarming shit coming out of New York City. Um, I keep seeing just little random acts of kindness and people pulling it together and helping each other out. I got a little note under my door today from the council about where we can volunteer, we can help people. Um, oh, and I think that's a really good piece of advice. So today I went grocery shopping for my friend Heidi, who has diabetes and who is in the risk group that's at currently, able. she can still leave her house, but she's not allowed to go into any enclosed spaces or any shops. And so I went grocery shopping for her. And then I met her on the street. I set her groceries down and I backed up six feet and then she came and picked them up. Um, and that felt really good to be able to do 
her that favor. So if you have someone in your life that needs some assistance, I'm telling you, man, it's a really good feeling, especially well, since I'm pretty sure I'm in one. <laughs> yeah. And I would say our building has a sign up sheet in the lobby. Um, of, mm. Do you need help? Are you willing to help? It's very, it's very helpful. We are lucky to have a, which I, I highly encourage everyone during this time, if you live in an apartment building to do your best to create a directory of all who live there, um, whether it's sliding things under people's doors and then having them just like, if you want to be the person that initiated it, um, slide a piece of paper under people's doors, ask them to fill it out and slide it up. And then you can just walk down the halls, pick up all the paper, you know, and then send the email out and say, here's everybody's contact if in case there's an emergency in the building that we need, or if you need something, you can get people to be on your building list. And, um, you know, so I would say really, really get on that and do that because almost everyone has elderly people or people who are at risk in their buildings and they need a lot of help. So one of the things our council is doing too is taking just volunteers for folks who are willing to get on the phone with someone who may be isolated and doesn't have family or friends to talk to. Um, so I think that's what I'm going to volunteer for. Yeah, I think that you are perfect for that. Liz Winstead, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me follow you. all over the internet. I am at Liz Winstead. It's L-I-Z-Z-W-I-N-S-T-E-A-D. Um, I am most prevalent on Facebook and Twitter, but you can find me on Insta too. That's um, me and being goofy. Um, so that's where I am. Find me and you can follow um, Abortion Access Front at Access Front uh on all the socials and find out what's going on and there's some fun activism happening if you're um homebound and want to cause some trouble all right liz i feel better i feel better talking to you too let's do a group chat soon so to close today's show um i don't know if i'm going to do this every episode but um probably not this won't be the only one anyway i recorded an anti-anxiety meditation if you're not a meditator already Now's a really good time to start. So I hope that you find this helpful and I'll talk to you again soon. Welcome. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're probably experiencing some anxiety about the pandemic. I mean, just saying that word triggers anxiety in me. So I know how you're feeling and I want to help you. You might be experiencing some of the common symptoms of anxiety, shallow, rapid breathing, worried thoughts, and tightness in your muscles. We'll address those one at a time over the next few minutes, and hopefully you'll feel a little bit better by the time we're done. Before we start, take a moment to become really present in your body. Sit up tall and close your eyes. Without any judgment, notice how you're feeling right now. If you're feeling frightened or anxious, simply accept it. We can't change how we feel without first accepting where we are. Fighting anxiety tends to make it worse, so rather than doing that, we're going to replace your scary thoughts with some that calm you. We will purposefully release any tension in your body through the use of your breath. Now focus on my voice. If your mind wanders from the meditation, acknowledge it, dismiss the thought, and bring your focus back to my voice. Now bring your attention to your breath. At any moment during any day, we can always take our anxiety down a notch by simply breathing. Deeply inhale through your nose. 
Now exhale through your mouth as if you're blowing up a balloon. Blow out all of the air until your lungs are completely empty. As you inhale again, visualize your lungs filling up from all angles. They expand not only upwards, but to the sides and the back. Exhale slowly, and once again, empty your lungs completely. Continue to slowly breathe in and out as we continue the meditation. Now you're getting all the oxygen you need, and your only job in this moment is to become calmer and more relaxed. Breathe in. Breathe out. Now let's release those worrying thoughts and replace them with something more helpful to you. Did you know that your mind thinks between 60 and 80,000 thoughts per day and that most of those are negative and repeated? But we do have the ability to choose new thoughts. Let's do that right now. In your mind, repeat after me. I am feeling anxious right now, but I'm okay. This feeling is temporary, and I will soon be calm. I am safe. I am becoming more calm. I am becoming more relaxed. I am calm. I am relaxed. I am calm. I am relaxed. Continue with deep breathing and these thoughts. Inhale, I am calm. Exhale, I am relaxed. Inhale, I am calm. Exhale, I am relaxed. Your muscles have probably already started to release some tension. Let's get rid of the rest of it. One of the places most prone to holding stress is your jaw. Let your lower jaw simply drop open so that your teeth are not touching. Let it become loose and relaxed, moving it from left to right. Bring your fingertips to your jaw muscles and give them a little massage. Now lower your hands so that your arms, your elbows are at a 90 degree angle. I want you to bring your shoulders all the way up to your ears and make a fist with your hands. Squeeze your hands really, really tightly. And as you lower your shoulders, shake out your hands. Do that again. Inhale, shoulders up to your ears, tight fist. Shake out your hands, let your shoulders just drop. And now bring your hands back to your thighs. Do you feel that tingling, relaxed sensation in your torso? I want you to visualize that as the color blue. And now imagine that relaxed, tingly sensation moving its way through your torso, down through your hips, your glutes, coming into your legs, your quads, your hamstrings, the fronts and backs of your knees, your shins, your calves, 
all the way down to your ankles, the tops of your feet, all ten toes, the soles of your feet, your heels. Inhale. I am calm. Exhale. I am relaxed. Inhale. I am calm. Exhale. I am relaxed. Now when you're ready, slowly open your eyes. Maybe roll your shoulders back and forth a few times. Take one more big breath in and exhale. <sighs> and I'll leave you with one final calming, positive thought. Repeat after me in your mind. Today, whatever comes up, I'll handle it. Whatever comes up, I'll handle it. Remember that during this hard time, today, just like every day, you can't control what happens, every little thing that happens out in the world. You can only control your response to it. So if you start to feel stressed out during the day, again, come back to that mantra. Whatever comes up, I'll handle it. And know that you have the power to choose thoughts that create in your body a sense of peace, calm, and relaxation. Your thoughts drive your emotional state. Your emotional state drives your choices. Remember that and choose wisely. I love you guys. Have a great day.